This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. For amazing people this week, Wendy Robinson joins us. She's the author of Victoria Grace, Living with Victory Through Childhood Cancer. Good morning, Wendy. Hello. Thank you for having me. No, thanks for coming all the way from Newcastle to chat with us. Before we get to the reason that you wrote this helpful book on childhood cancer, can you start by sharing some of your story and exactly how your daughter's journey with cancer began? Yeah, so about nine years ago, almost to the day actually, we had come down to Sydney for the day as a family and we were walking around Darling Harbour and our third child, who was three at the time, Victoria, started falling over all the time. And me being such a compassionate mother, just said to her, oh, come on, pick up your feet, you know, Mm. you'll be able to walk, it'll be fine. But by a whole day of doing that, I thought maybe there is something wrong. So we just stopped and watched her walk and saw that her left foot was actually facing directly into her right foot and she had Mm. no strength, no control over it. So that, uh, to my husband and I, I thought, oh, maybe, yeah, something's wrong here. So he took her to our local doctor when we got back home and... Yeah, they said, oh, it looks okay, looks okay, you know, we'll do some x-rays and things. And anyway, they said, we'll all be fine. And then a few days later, a beautiful friend of mine graciously said to me, Wendy, what's happening with Victoria? I think there's something not quite right there. Um, You probably need to go to emergency straight away. And we did. And then six hours later, she was on a CT scanner. And um, yeah, a neurologist said to me, there's a mass in your child's brain. Mm. And our world just turned upside down. Yeah. What happens that day? So you're sitting there, the doctor comes out. I mean, how's how's the family react? Well, my husband was in Melbourne at time on a business trip. So, and I'd said to him, look, you know, we're going back up to the hospital, don't know what's going on, you know. So he really had no idea. And so when the neurologist said this to me, I just screamed basically. Yeah. And, um, and I said, I can't speak to my husband. You'll have to tell him. And it was midnight, actually, when this was all happening. Mm. So then we just sort of went into a state of what's going on, God, what's going on, what's going on. And the next day, a whole lot of, um, you know, doctors, specialists were looking at scans and trying to work out what they were going to do because the tumour's on her brain stem right in the centre of her brain. So it's not like an easy place to get to. And there's plenty of risks around surgery in terms of would she survive the surgery and or if she did how would she be after the surgery could she walk could she talk so there's lots of unknowns so I guess being Christians for us the thing was God 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 we need your help yeah yeah Mm. I think about Victoria as a three-year-old I've got a three-year-old as well how does a three-year-old process something like that? Mm. Like, how do you explain what's going on to a three-year-old? It must be awfully difficult to do. Yes, and there's a great social worker at the hospital that sort of guided us with that, and the oncologist said, you know, you just need to tell her as much as she needs to know, which was basically, in three-year-old language, there's something in your brain, it shouldn't be there, and the doctors are going to do their best to get it out. And pretty much that was it. And then, of course, we had our other three children. What do we tell them? Two of them who are older and have a little bit more understanding. You know, like your sister's going to go to hospital and, you know, we're going to pray that everything's going to be fine. But ultimately, God is sovereign and whatever happens, we've got to trust that it's the right thing. So very, very difficult. And... um, We spoke with our pastor as well because we wanted to take Victoria to church to have her prayed for. Mm -hmm. And uh, he he was so good. He said, look, don't come at the beginning of the service because everybody will just want to talk to you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Come 
uh, you know, halfway through the service, we'll pray for Victoria and then pretty much go. So there wasn't going to be this huge um, emotional turmoil of all those conversations. And sometimes people, you know, they want to say helpful things, mm. but they're not really helpful. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think too on that day, your life changes significantly because the doctors then come back and they've got an action plan. Mm. Can, and for how they're going to treat this for Victoria. Can you kind of just map out day to day what your life would look like in terms of treatment programs and stuff? Yes. So Victoria had the surgery seven days after that um, diagnosis and it was eight and a half hours of surgery. So that's all of us sitting in the hospital room waiting for eight and a half hours while a team were working on her brain. So after that, she needed to have six months of daily uh, physical therapy because she had a stroke during the operation so that impacted her left mm. side so she had to learn how to use her left hand again so lots of exercises really hard to keep a three-year-old motivated mm -hmm. to do that so being as creative as possible with that um, and walking she needs a she wears a splint on her left leg to give her stability so lots of daily therapy including hydrotherapy hippotherapy which is physical therapy on a horse so mm. we went up to a riding disabled center for that and then about um, 18 months later we got the news that the tumor had grown again by 40 percent and that's when the oncologist said to us all right we'll, we'll do chemotherapy now so that was 15 months of weekly trips to the hospital to yeah. have treatment um, and thankfully she would never have vomited or anything from the treatment but she was certainly unwell after it um, and so that situation of course chemo lowers people's immune system so you're always on alert yep. for once that temperature if they get unwell temperature rises above 38 degrees you have to go back to hospital and so that is an emergency visit and leaves the rest of the family in flux well I want to press in on that because I think about how, you know, going through the trauma of treatment is one thing, but it really rocks your routine. And I think of your other kids, the way they respond in a time like that when Victoria's got all this attention and obviously want the best for her. How did your other kids respond during this time and how did it affect them and, and their, their upbringing? Mm, yes, exactly right. It affects everybody. So... Three children, three different personalities, three different ways of coping with a crisis. So mm. one immediately let us know what they were thinking, you know. What about me? Mum, you're not here anymore. What's happening? So that was pretty easy to deal with, actually, because mm -hmm. you could have that conversation and uh, try to change behaviour accordingly. Basically, my behaviour, the mum, and how I love her. And then another one, it was three years later came and just sort of had a bit of a meltdown. So quietly all that time mm. they'd been taking it on board, taking it, taking it, and then finally, what about me? And then the other one um, was really six years later that we started to see the impact on her where she actually started to get sick um, mm. physically because of the emotional pain that was in her and that required some time with Jesus really to bring that healing for her and know that she's just as loved by Jesus as her and her family as her sister. Mm. So, yeah, you just uh, one thing that was really helpful, if I can just say, is that book, um, Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages for it's Kids. Great. Yeah. yeah, because, you know, you've got limited time to love these children because you're pulled in so many directions. So... Uh, just knowing what each one's love language was and honing in on that really helped. Well, let's talk about 
um, that a bit more because I think all through this you've peppered conversation about Jesus mm-hmm. and the significance of your faith through this process. How did that play out? How how important was it to know that you know there's a God there that loves you even though there's something really awful happening mm-hmm. in your family? Yes. So prior to this happening, we'd had various things in our lives, in our marriage, that we've had to turn to trust God to. So we had some understanding of what it means to trust God when you've got no un, you know, no understanding, mm-hmm. Proverbs mm-hmm. 3, 5. So when this happened, uh, a couple of days afterwards, and I was having that quiet time with God saying, what is this, what, a three-year-old, how, how can this be? Um, and a lot of crying. And then somehow, just only by the grace of God, I was able to write a list of about 22 things of that I could be thankful for. So finding things to be thankful for made me see that God had actually gone before us. Hmm. He was in the midst. And then the decision I had to make, I guess we had to make, was to trust that he would be there with us hmm. as we went forward. Um, I guess, yeah, sort of four years on, the tumour grew, grew again for the third time. And that was a very difficult time for me with my faith. Mm. I thought, I can believe that God will get us through this, but do I believe that he will heal? You know, there's just That's so hard. much disappointment in my heart. Mm. And it was a time of, um, yeah, just really looking through the scriptures and it, reading all the scriptures on healing, even though I, you know, didn't necessarily believe, it was that prayer, you know, God help me believe, or forgive mm. me for my unbelief, sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the diagnosis happened when Victoria Grace was three. Mm. How old is she now, and, and and has she recovered yet? How old is she now? She's twelve. Wow. Can you believe that? Preteen. Preteen, <laughs> all the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you look, you know, oncologist, uh, wonderful, wonderful care she received at the hospital, but they, you know, God always has the final say. So his sort of projections for her now would be that she'd be having radiation to her brain and a whole number of things like that, but she isn't. Mm. She's just performed as Cat in the Hat in the school musical, wow. despite her disability. She's um, a para athlete, so she competes in athletics and swimming. She went to nationals for um discus for the last two years wow. in melbourne and in darwin yeah and so and she has her own faith that she's working out who god is for her and yeah and and you know often brings up this why am i still not completely healed you know it's lots of deep conversations and through that she's able to encourage other children who are facing mm. struggles of any sort really so yeah only by the grace of god she's doing fabulously great Cancer, unfortunately, touches the lives of a lot of people um, and they, you know, struggle to walk through it. Um, But through this process, you made a decision to write a book. What was the the reason that you kind of decided, Okay, listen, through this journey, I want to I want to craft a narrative to share with the world. Mm. I had started initially communicating with friends and families about what's happening with Victoria um, via email because people wanted to know and we needed prayer support. So, And then that sort of morphed into a blog. And through reading that, a lot of people said, oh, you should write a book, Wendy, write a book. And so <laughs> I wrote a book for a few reasons. One, to just yeah testify to God's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Secondly, 
uh, throughout the journey, I was involved in a lot of support groups, you know, pretty resourceful in terms of tapping into Red Kite, Camp Quality, all of those wonderful things that are available for families. And throughout those groups, people often said, oh, that's great. It's great what you're doing with your family to help, you know, like your marriage. It's not only the siblings, it's a marriage that takes a big hit. Uh, so... And I, so I was really encouraged with that. So I thought, in this book, I'm going to put those practical things, what we did. Not that they are um, absolutely wonderful, but just, for example, after those emergency hospital visits I was talking about before, when Victoria comes home, and then just all sitting around the dinner table together and just acknowledging, hey, the last four or five days have been really hard. And let's just thank each other one by one for what um, we've done to help each other get through this. You know, mm. So just hear the brothers and sisters and just saying thank you, blah, 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 for doing this for me. Yeah. And, and so lots of practical things like that, not huge, but just little things that don't, um, yeah, just help to remind us that it is very difficult what we're in, but God's there and we're there. And then we've got this other huge school, church, neighbourhood community supporting us. Mm. There might be people listening to this podcast right now who um, – are inspired by you, but also maybe going through something similar, mm. maybe you know, cancer in, in themselves or in, or in relatives, their children. Um, and, and in this book, as you mentioned, there are practical tips um, that you offer. Do you, could you share some of those with us now? Yes. So I guess that's one. Another big one was um, mental health, I guess, for me as a carer, especially towards the end of chemo because, you know, every week going up to that hospital for over a year is pretty draining. So asking for help. I don't know if you're like me, I'm a pretty independent person, sort of, yeah, I can do this all myself, but really realised, no, I can't. And so... Uh, yeah, asked a couple of people for help who then asked more people for help on my behalf. So, yeah, don't be scared to ask for help. And and what ended up happening was on those days when Victoria had treatment, people would bring meals to our home for dinner so I didn't have to come home and do dinner. Um, other people would come and look after our children on a week uh, Saturday night so Ken and I could go out, even if we just went to Macca's or somewhere, just some time out. So mental health is a big thing. Uh, some of the other things in there are really practical, physical things. So like I was talking about before, that therapy, especially for a young child, lots of creative ideas on OT and physio. And practical things like just having things around your home. When you've got visitors coming in and you're trying to keep that um, infections out, you know, just hygiene. Basically, I've even got little signs in there <laughs> that I used to have in the bathroom and the kitchen for people. Yeah. Yeah. And and then a list of resources here in Australia like Camp Quality and other charities too that help financially because for us we have our own business and my husband didn't have a whole lot of annual leave. So we took a, a financial hit as well with all of this. Mm. I think you and your husband through this time mm. um and I imagine there's a quite a load of stress on you, which may impact your marriage as well. How were you making sure that you were caring for each other and taking time out? Were you able to take time out during that, that mm, whole process? Mm. Let's just talk about caring for each other. Yes, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> we um, probably didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And God was gracious and brought other people in to care for each of us because we actually okay. didn't have the emotional capacity to care for each other. Yeah. And I think that's one of the important things of being part of a church community. Yeah. You know, you feel safe. People. Can, they see you every week, so they go, oh, okay, hold on, this one needs a bit of extra help here. Mm-hmm. So for a long time, we were really just trying to look after ourselves and because we're just by necessity. So 
maybe three years on, sort of we've been a, be, started to come together more again and mm. and take that time to really listen to each other and, and love each other as you would have to. I think probably for both of you, it was the reality that our family is kind of in triage right now. So we're just trying to patch things to make it work because we there's no space or capacity to do what we actually want to do because someone in our family is in hospital in healing and mm. that's that's the priority and i think again I'm, i don't want to put words in your mouth but i feel like through the process of triage there's that kind of acknowledgement of we love each other we just don't have the ability or the capacity is that a fair that's absolutely correct yes we're going to stick at this we're yep. going to stick at our marriage but at the moment we can't be who each other needs. We're we need, co-workers we need right people. now. That's it. Yeah. That's it. We're co-workers. And I think, you know, like the first, when she was diagnosed and went through all the surgery and the rehab and that, and then you think, yep, great. It was what I certainly thought. Thanks. You know, thank not thanks God, but okay, God, we're through that and now life will go on to normal. Mm. And then, no, eight months yeah. later, we're hearing, oh, you know, it's growing again. So, you know, it's just sort of continual for a long time and it's really only the last couple of years that our family has probably started to thrive so that's seven years yeah it's a long mm-hmm. time wow there's that last bit you're in the clear you're in remission okay um and then you kind of have to wait you know sometimes two years before you get the all clear all clear um what was that moment when the family kind of stepped out from under the cloud and said we're getting after life now because you just made mention of that but you know that moment we've done this we're through this and then you kind of live in a little bit of fear but there's a moment right where you go we now we can do this yeah so i guess victoria's situation is a little different the tumor is still there right okay so we are completely trusting god that that will not grow again there is really no medical solutions okay other than more chemo and so at the end of 2015, another little friend that she knew had finished his treatment and they were, and he was in remission, all of those things you just said. So they were having a party to celebrate that. Yeah. You know? mm. And it was great. We went. But then Victoria said, what about me, Mum? When am I going to have my party? And it's like, okay. I said, I tell you what, we're going to have a party and we're just going to declare it. Come on. So down in our local park, mm. we went and we almost a day to when she was diagnosed, however many years before that was, gathered all our friends and family. The girls made little cupcakes to spell the word victory, Mm. put that out on the table. We had some of the worship team from church come and play. And, yeah, we just declared basically Ephesians 3.20, you know, I God, you know, do more than I imagine. And we just declared that over her life then and just drew that line in the sand and said, okay, physically that might still be there, but we're just going to start believing that, you know, it's not going to do anything and she's going to go from strength to strength. Mm. And can I just say one more thing about that? Absolutely. So in the park, people were walking past and they'd have conversations with people and they'd go, oh, this looks like a really great birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> and then someone would say, actually, no, it's not a birthday party. And that explained what was going on. Yeah. And yeah, I think that just doing that in a public place, mm. so public. Very cool. Just people thought, oh, right, a bit strange, but okay. You know, mm. yeah, just making that public declaration. So good. So important for you, I yes. imagine. Yes, yes, hmm. I love this idea that the, the party is this kind of flagpole, right? It's a, it's a declaration of victory and we're going to push in on the promises of Jesus despite not seeing the resolution. 
that's a really challenging place for a family to do. Do you yes. know? Like yeah. we believe in the promises of Jesus, <laughs> but we have not yet seen them. Mm-hmm. You know, and if we're talking scripturally, the Israelites want to believe in the promises of Jesus, and they get all the way to the promised land and don't quite believe them. Mm-hmm. How do you get there? I mean, what? Because I feel like there was. I mean, you you're still a little bit in the storm, and there's this giant storm beforehand. But somewhere, as a family, you go, "We're doing this." Yes. Yeah, so probably wind back six months from when we made that decision. Sure. And we got the news: the tumor was growing for the third time, and that's like I was saying before. I sort of really just started to slip into. God, what is this? Really, really questioning, knowing that, yeah, he'd get us through, but would he heal? And the day we got that news, uh, in the afternoon we had an appointment with Camp Quality because we'd done some publicity for them and we were going to do some more. And Ken and I thought, okay, we'll keep this appointment because these people know this stuff. They know how it is for us. So we went there, we explained what happened, we cried, we cried, we cried, and then the uh, lady says, look, this fax came through today about a camp in Sydney and they have space for a few extra families. Would you like to go? And Ken and I looked at the other and said, yes, yes, we would like to go. Because, again, we knew then we'd be in an environment with families and we wouldn't have to say anything. People mm. would just know. Yeah. So that was Thursday. So Friday we went down there and it was actually at Stanwell Tops. Christian Convention Centre. Great location. So, you know, most of camp quality camps are at sport and rec centres. So we walk into the Stanwell Tops and there on the wall is pictures with scripture saying, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, John 10, 10. Mm. And I'm, it was like God was directly speaking to me and saying, Wendy, do you really believe this for your daughter? And do you really believe this for your family? And I couldn't say yes. Mm. I couldn't. I had to you know, just do that processing. And we knew that Victoria would have another scan in three months and that was when the oncologist would decide what was going to happen next. So we had this three-month window and that's when I started, like I was saying before, reading the healing scriptures, not actually able to believe them, but just God took me on this journey of getting back to that place of faith and lots of people praying for us, for Victoria. And then that scan in the September it was... Uh, showed the tumour had stopped growing with no medical intervention whatsoever. Mm. So I think from then I just had this confidence that, yeah, God's got this. He's really got this. We can trust him. Mm. And so when Victoria asked about her party, I thought, yes, <laughs> yes. And I guess for her too, that was a, you know, a major turning point, just knowing that God had done that. She didn't have to have surgery. She didn't have to have chemo. She didn't have to radiation, anything. Mm. Mm. It was just God. For sure, someone listening right now is on this journey and sitting in the midst of this, in the midst of the storm, um, and it touches every family differently. Mm. What what would be the thing that you want to say to a family right now who's struggling, trying to figure this out? I think find someone who's a, a third party to your family, who's got a lot of wisdom and can actually speak in and give you some guidance in the next stop. I mean, if you're a Christian, uh, hopefully, you know, that would be your pastor or someone like that. I mean, social worker, we had a great social worker that first day at the hospital said to Ken and I, you will process this differently. You need to respect that for each other. Mm. So that really helped us. But that's what I'd say. Just find that one person that can speak in the wisdom. 
yep. that you need. Wendy Robinson, thank you for writing this book and for helping others uh, who may be going through a similar journey of being a, 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 a mum or a family member to support others who are doing something similar. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.